Amen. All right. Well, you're there in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 22. And I want, want you to look down at verse number 1, 2 Samuel 22. Is everybody warm tonight? Is anybody cold? Anybody cold? Everybody warm? It's hot. All right. Maybe we can turn these heaters guys off. I think we're, I think we're probably good. 2 Samuel 22. Look down at verse number 1, 2 Samuel 22, 1. The Bible says, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hands of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So I want you to notice we're, we're kind of getting towards the end of the book here of 2 Samuel. And in chapter 22, what we find is actually a psalm that David wrote. Uh, if, if, if you're familiar with the Word of God, you know that most of the psalms or many of the psalms in the book of Psalms um, were written by David. This is actually one of those psalms, and this is actually a song. The book of Psalms is like we have a hymn book that we sing songs out of. That's what the book of Psalms basically was for the children of Israel. And here, this psalm, if you actually compare it to uh, Psalm 18 in the book of Psalms, it's almost word for word the exact same psalm. It's just a parallel passage. There are some parts that are a little different, but other than that, um, it's basically the same song. Now, as we have gotten to the end of the book, I've talked to you about the fact that these last chapters are not in chronological order. Basically, when we got to the end of the story of Absalom and, and, and Joab and, and those things there, we basically are now just kind of tagging along some last thoughts and last things that God wanted us to know. And this is proof of that because if you look at, uh, at verse 1 again, look at the last uh, statement out of, uh, of the verse. It says there, out of the hands of Saul. It says that uh, this is a, the words of this song in, uh, in the day. Well, let's just read the whole verse. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So this psalm was originally written when God delivered him out of the hands of, of, of Saul, which would have been at the beginning of the reign of David. So that proves to you there that these chapters are not in chronological order. Now, you may be asking, you know, why would it be added here at the end? I think the reason it's added is because the, the content of the psalm is basically about David having victory over all of his enemies, and it's put at the end because it's a song that David could have uh, song, uh, sung at the end of his life, really. You know, even though he wrote it earlier, it, it really applied to the end of his life and the fact that God did give him victory, not only over Saul, but over all his enemies. And, uh, you know, the, it's interesting because sometimes I, I'll, I'll, I'll open the Word of God and I, I, I start to prepare a sermon for a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or something like that. And um, I'll read a chapter and I'll think to myself, what in the world am I going to say from this chapter? You know, just initially, sometimes you read things and just uh, things pop out at you and kind of uh, some chapters just outline themselves, it seems like. But sometimes you look at them and you just think to yourself, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to say out of this. And it's interesting to me because it seems like almost every time that it happens, after you dig into it and after you study it, after you get into it, you realize there's so much there, you know. And in fact, I started the, my sermon prep by wondering what in the world am I going to say out of this thing, and I've ended my sermon prep with two sermons, uh, you know, two is enough notes to cover two sermons. So I'll tell you right now, we're not going to cover this entire chapter in one sermon. We're going to cover, in fact, we're only going to cover six verses in this sermon, 
And there's 50 verses in this chapter, okay? But here's the promise I'll make to you. The next time we're in 2 Samuel, we'll cover the rest. And this chapter is actually, uh, I believe, and, I, and I'll do my best to prove it to you from the Word of God, that it's actually a prophetic chapter. It's talking about end times prophecies. And we'll deal with that the next time we're in 2 Samuel. The reason I say the next time is because next Wednesday, Pastor Manley Perry will be here. And unless he's preaching out of 2 Samuel 22, we just won't be there, okay? But, um, at, you know, the week after that, we're going to look at the prophetic uh, part of this chapter, and we'll, we'll dig into that and get all of that out. This time, I want to focus on a theme that you find in this chapter, and it's about this idea of our God, the rock, or the Lord our God, which is the rock. And I want to just uh, talk to you about it. Now, let me say this. This is going to be a very doctrinal type sermon. And all the sermons we preach at Verity Baptist Church are doctrinal, uh, of course. But what I mean by that is we're kind of just going to lay some foundations and go over some doctrine that's actually taught in this chapter. And uh, it may not be a real yelly or mean sermon. Maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, but I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I need you to just kind of pay attention. All right? I need you to just kind of, and it's not deep or it's not hard. But, you know, if you're going to get something out of the sermon, you're going to have to do it out of character, okay? You're going to have to do it out of just, you know, wanting to pay attention and wanting to learn the Word of God. Because it's definitely going to be a Bible study tonight. And that's why we call it the Wednesday night Bible study, right? But let me give you a couple of lessons, three lessons really, about this idea of the Lord our rock or our God the rock. Uh, if you look down at verse number two, notice what the Bible says. And he said, so in verse one, we're told that he wrote this, uh, this song about uh, the fact that he was saved out of all the hands of his enemies and out of the hands of Saul. And then in verse 2, he actually begins the psalm. He said, and the Bible says, and he said, the Lord, I want you to notice, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He says, the Lord is my rock. Now, for those of you taking notes, and I'd encourage you to take notes if you don't have a baby on your lap or something like that. Uh, and if you need somewhere to write on, uh, on the back of your course of the week, we've got a place for you to be able to jot down some notes. But if you're taking notes, let, let, let me show you a couple of things here. The first thing we find is a lesson on the deity of Christ. A lesson on the deity of Christ. And that term deity, or when we say deity of Christ, what we mean by that is that Jesus is God. And it's the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. And I want to show you how this passage proves that. So you notice there in verse 2 it says, The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. Now I remember when I was in school, they taught us, you know, that uh, the word is when you, uh, remember when you're doing like algebra and you started adding all those uh, weird, you know, letters into math and all of that. Uh, well, we and I'm not even sure if this is from algebra, but I remember being taught is Basically, when it comes to a math equation, it means equals, right? If something is something, you, what you're saying is something, is, is, they're of equal value or they're the same thing. And here we're told the Lord equals my rock. The Lord is my rock. And if you're, if you're taking notes, maybe you might just want to jot that down. Lord equals rock. Because I want you to understand something, okay? Now, when the Bible uses the word Lord, that, 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 that four-letter word, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That word Lord means Jehovah God. And I'll prove that to you in a, in a second here. In fact, uh, look down at verse number 32 of the same chapter, 2 Samuel 22, and look down at verse number 32. Let me prove to you that the word Lord means God. And I'm not going to prove it to you by bringing out a commentary or some sort of a dictionary. We'll just use the word of God to do it. The word of God is its own dictionary, 2 Samuel 22, Look at verse number 32. Notice what the Bible says. For who is God save the Lord? All right. Now that word save there, it means 
besides or except for. Now, the word save is being used a little different there in the way that the King James translators were using it in that passage. But here's what they're saying. Who is God except for the Lord? Or who is God besides the Lord? So what that's showing you is that God equals Lord, all right? So I'm just, and, and, and I'm sure nobody would argue with that. I just want to show you that from the Word of God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D equals God. Now notice what he says. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save, besides, except for our God. Do you see that? So here's what we have so far. We have the Lord equals rock. We have the Lord equals God. But we also have God equals rock. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not trying to confuse. You know, it's, it's very simple math. If we're, if, we're, if we're, you know, it's like elementary math. We're not get, getting real deep here, okay? Lord equals rock. Lord equals God. God equals rock. Now, keep your place there in 2 Samuel 22 and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I'm going to give you a cross-reference here. You may want to jot this down for your own personal Bible study or to be able to uh, uh, talk to family members or, 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 or things about, uh, uh, you know, people about this doctrine. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you've got the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, let me say this. Doctrine is important, all right? In Christianity, we've gotten away from this idea. Most people want to go to church to hear something interesting. And I'm not talking about just the liberals. We know the liberals, you know, they talk about uh, they're preach, you know, they, they preach relevant sermons, and, and, and that's their little buzzword. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think the whole Word of God is, is relevant. And, and, and I think we ought to be, when we preach, I think the sermons ought to be applicable, meaning we're not just teaching you uh, a, a doctrine, but we're teaching you what to do with it. We're not just telling you what it says, but we're telling you what it means, and we're telling you what you should do about it. I think sermons ought to be that way. But at the same time, we have to teach doctrine. The Bible says the Word of God, for the Word of God is quick and powerful, the sharp and short. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, all right? And, it, and, and then, of course, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Uh, uh, I'm mixing up those verses there. He goes on to talk about that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But doctrine is important, and, and here's why. If we don't teach doctrine, if we don't teach you what we believe or what we believe about God or the Word of God, or if we don't teach the next generation, if we don't teach our children, then they will grow up and then they might be lied to, they might be fooled because they don't know what the Bible says. Because every time they came to church, they heard a sermon that was interesting, but it wasn't necessarily teaching them doctrine. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, today there are people and there are religions that are attacking the doctrine of the deity of Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses will teach you that Jesus was not God in the flesh. They will knock on your door. They will give you a pamphlet. They will act like they know the Bible. They will ask you, would you like to have a Bible study? But there's no Bible study that they're, that they're doing. They're just giving you their little uh, doctrines of, of Jehovah's Witnesses and their pamphlets and their magazines. And they'll teach you that Jesus was just an angel, that Jesus uh, was not God in the flesh. The Mormons will teach that Jesus, they'll say he was a God and they'll say that he was a man that became a God of a another universe, another world, somewhere else, but they won't say that he is the God or the only God or that he is God in the flesh. And, and even today, you know, the Muslims will teach that Jesus was a good man, that he was a good prophet, but he wasn't God. 
the, you know, and, and all sorts of false religions and, and the religions of the heathen and the cults are attacking the deity of Christ. And here's what you need to understand. How do we defend that? We've got to teach that. We've got to understand. We've got to take time to study these things out. So here's what we have. The Lord equals rock. The Lord equals God. Uh, God equals rock. We saw that in the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Notice what it says. And underline this in your Bible if you don't mind writing in your Bible. And that rock was Christ. You see that? That rock was Christ. All throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. You will find that whenever there's a reference to a rock, it's always a reference to God or it's a reference to Christ. And, and by the way, you say, why is that? Because, because Christ is God. Because Jesus is God. And here we're told the rock is Christ. That's why it's silly. You know, let, let's take it a little further. You say, why do you need to know these things? Because you, you need to know these things because you may have a Catholic friend that, that tells you, you know, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they'll try to tell you that that rock is Peter. Well, wait a minute. According to the Bible, the rock is God. And according to the Bible, that rock was Christ. So it can't be Peter. It wasn't Peter who he was talking about. He was talking about himself. And he was talking about the fact that he was God. Because remember, what did Peter say? They, he asked, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you know, they all said, people say you're this, and people say you're that. And what did Peter say? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, making a reference to the deity of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, upon this rock, not Peter, but the doctrine, the statement that he made, upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen. Upon the doctrine of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and he's the Son of God, which is, refers to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we have. The Lord equals rock. Here's what we have. The Lord equals God. Here's what we have. God equals rock. And here's what we have. Rock equals Christ. Go back to 2 Samuel 22. Look at verse 47. 2 Samuel 22. Let me show you another verse. 2 Samuel 22, verse 47. 2 Samuel 22, verse 47. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord liveth. 2 Samuel 22, verse 47. We're, we're, we're just dealing with the verses this week that have to do with the Lord, the rock, so that's why we're going to skip a bunch. We'll come back to all those other verses next week. 2 Samuel 22, 47. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God, notice, the rock of my salvation. Now, who, who brings salvation? Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Salvation comes by calling upon the Lord, right, who is the rock, who is Christ. So the rock of my salvation. So here's the point. If the Lord equals rock and the Lord equals God and God equals rock and Christ equals uh, uh, the rock, then what does that tell us about Christ? Right? I mean, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, right? That's not complicated. Isn't that like pre-algebra or something like that? That's as far as I went, so I don't, I don't know anything else. But, but here's the point. Christ equals God. Christ equals the Lord. The Jehovah's Witnesses will say, oh, no, no, no. Jesus is not the Lord. He's not Jehovah, right? We worship Jehovah, but it's not Jesus. Wait a minute. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's Jehovah God. And the Lord equals Christ. It's the deity of Christ being taught, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. Now, I meant to tell you to keep your place in 1 Corinthians. I apologize. 
that I didn't do that. But if you can find, if you can make your way back to the New Testament, I want you to go to the book of Philippians. Even if you kept your place in 1 Corinthians, you're just going to go past 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. All right? 1st or 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We see that here in this psalm that David wrote, he's talking about the fact that there's a rock that is God, there's a rock that is the Lord, and that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's spelled out for us in 1 Corinthians that the Lord, that, that, that rock was Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, notice what the Bible says. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, notice verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, thought it not robbery, what that means is this, he did not think that he was taking, he, he wasn't taking something that did not belong to him, okay? Because what it means, to, wait, robbing, stealing, means you're taking something that doesn't belong to you, but he thought it not robbery, okay? It, it wasn't that he was taking something that didn't belong to him, what was he doing? To be equal with God, you see that? So it was totally within his rights to make himself equal with God. Why? Because he was God. And by the way, some of the modern Bible versions will change that phrase, thought it not robbery, to, I forget exactly how they word it, but they'll say something along the lines of that he didn't think it was possible. So what, are they, what, what's, what is that? That's an attack on the deity of Christ. Their, their, their versions will say that Jesus did not think it was possible possible for him to be equal with God. By the way, that's another reason why we have to talk about the deity of Christ. That's another reason why we have to understand what that means and, 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 and be able to defend it from the word of God. Because there's not only an attack from the cults like the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's not only an attack from the heathen like Hinduism or Islam or, uh, or those other religions. But there's an attack on the deity of Christ with the new corrupted modern Bible versions. In many places, they will attack the fact that Jesus is God. Go, go to John chapter number 5. John chapter 5. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 5. When you get to John, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. But I want you to notice John chapter number 5. Because here's what people will often say. And I've, I've even had Je, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses that I've talked to. They'll say to me, they'll say, now wait a minute. Jesus is the Son of God. So then how could he be God, you know? And they'll say, how could he be the Son of God and be God? And we're going to talk about that in a minute because that's called the Trinity. But I want, I want you to notice what Jesus meant when he called himself the Son of God and what the Jews of his day understood that he was saying when he called himself the uh, Son of God. John chapter 5, look at verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. John 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 5, make sure you keep your place there. Put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there. John 5, 18, notice what it says. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, all right? So he said that God was his father. So what's he saying? That he's the son of God. He said that God was his father. Notice, making himself equal with who? God, okay? So here's what they understood. When he said, I'm the son of God, what they heard, and the reason they crucified him, or one of the reasons they crucified him, is because here's what they understood. If you're the son of God, that makes you equal with God. Because, you know, dogs give birth to dogs, Right? Cats give birth to cats. Humans give birth to humans. And guess what? When God has a son, that son is God. He's deity. So they understood when they said, hey, 
I came forth, I proceeded from, I am the Son of God. They understood that he was making himself equal with God. That's why they crucified him. That's why it said, we just saw there in Philippians, that he said he thought it not robbery to make himself equal with God. Why? Because the Lord is the rock. Because the Lord equals God. Because God equals the rock. And because Christ equals rock. So we see a lesson here on the deity of Christ. Jesus is God. Go back to 2 Samuel 22. Keep your place in John. Go back to 2 Samuel 22. Let me give you another doctrinal lesson we can learn from this, these statements. 2 Samuel 22. Now, look, look down at verse number 32. We, we just saw that. But I want you to notice that David in the psalm, he connects these two thoughts. He connects the word of God and the rock. Because that's what we're talking about, right? The rock. The rock equals the Lord. The rock equals God. The rock equals Christ. But then he also connects this thought to it. 2 Samuel 22, look at verse 32. For who is God? Save the Lord. Except the Lord. Besides the Lord. And who is the rock? Save our God. Except our God. Besides our God. Right? But I want you to notice verse number 31. Okay? The verse right before it. Because the context of verse 32, which says... Save our, you know, who is God, save the Lord, and who is the rock, save our God. The context for that verse, it's in the context of verse number 31. Because obviously, you know, uh, verse 31 comes before verse 32. We're getting into real deep math. I know I'm, gonna, I'm losing a lot of you, but 31 comes before 32, right? Notice what it says, verse 31. As for God, his way is perfect, the word of the Lord. Notice that. The word of the Lord is tried he is a buckler to all them that trust in him. That's the context of the following statement. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is the rock? Save our God. So I want you to notice David connected these two thoughts about the word of the, of, of the Lord. The word of the Lord is tried. And then he connected it to the idea that God is the rock. Now, what's interesting about that is that David, in his Old Testament psalm, connected these ideas of the Word of God and the rock, and then the Lord Jesus Christ also connected the idea of the Word of God and the rock. Let's look at it together. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. I know, I know this is a lot of, it's, 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 we're just looking at Scripture, and uh, you know that's, that's why you came to church, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why you're here. And I know some of you don't care about the Word of God, and you're just here because your wife made you come or your husband made you come. But, you know, you need to just get right with God. You know, if, you're, if you just don't like the Word of God, it's because you're backslidden. You know, if you're bored tonight, it's because your heart's not right. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. We ought to be able to study the, the Word of God. I mean, shouldn't we be able to study the Word of God in the house of God? If, if there's anywhere that we could just get down and dig down into the doctrine, shouldn't it be the house of God? Matthew 7, look at verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, if you have a red letter edition Bible, these words would be in red. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings. Okay, what's he talking about? The words. His words. Notice what he says. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a what? rock. See, there's a connection between the sayings of Christ, the words of Christ, and having your house built upon the rock. David 
connected the thoughts of the word of God in verse 31, 2 Samuel 22, and the rock, uh, 2 Samuel 22, verse 32. And then Jesus in the New Testament said, connected his sayings, his words, his teachings, and someone who hears those words and then applies those words as the fact that they built his house upon a rock. Look at verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Notice, for it was founded upon a rock. So we learned something here. There's a connection between the word of God and the rock. In fact, they are equal to each other. Because he says, if you build your life upon my sayings, if you build your life upon the foundations of the words of the Lord, of the words of God, then it's the equivalent to someone building their house upon a rock. And it was founded upon a rock. Now, unfortunately, in verse 26, this is what many Christians choose to do. Look at verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings, Because not all Christians fall under verse 25. I wish all Christians fell under verse 25, but it's just not true. Many Christians choose to fall or choose to place themselves under verse 26. Even everyone that heareth these sayings, right, referring to his words, of mine, and doeth them not. This is the guy, this is the lady that says, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm just going to do something different. And you don't think people say that? People say that all the time. They'll, they'll come to a church like that. I know that's what Pastor Jimenez said. Number one, if Pastor Jimenez said it, it doesn't matter. But if the word of God is being preached, then don't, don't try to shift it by saying, well, that's what Pastor... No, no, no. Is that what the Bible said, yes or no? Is it what the word of God said, yes or no? I mean, I, one thing I know at Verity Baptist Church, we, we, there's a lot of things we don't do right, and there's a lot of things we're trying to get better. But if there's one thing we do is I don't get up here and just preach my opinions and just preach my thoughts and just preach my ideas. We get up here and we study and we uh, get the word of God and we preach the word of God. And people will come and they'll say, well, I know that's what the preacher said. What they really should be saying is that's what the Bible says. I know that's what the word of God says, but I'm just going to do something different. I just don't think that really applies. I just don't think that's for me. Now, notice what it says, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a what? Foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. Listen to me very carefully. Ladies, just listen to me. And I'm not telling you to be disrespectful to your husband. I'd never tell you to do that. The Bible teaches against that. But when your husband comes to you and says, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm just, just, just marketing your mind right now. Here's who you're married to. You're married to a fool. You're married to an idiot. You're married to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. You husbands, when your wife comes to you and says, and I would never tell you to, you know, you ought to love your wife and you ought to lead your wife and you ought to do right by your wife. But when your wife says to you, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I just think, just mark it right there. Just take a mental note right there. When a friend or a fellow church member, when someone walks up to me after a service and says, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I just think, I just make a mental note, you're an idiot. You're a fool. I don't think you should say that. That's what Jesus said. And that everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. It's not if the rains come, it's when they come. It's not if the floods came, it's when they come. And beat upon that house, and it fell. And here's what that foolish man is going to do with his life. And it was, and the great, and great was the fall of it. When people tell me, I know that's what the Bible says, but here's what I think to myself: You're going to ruin your life. 
You're going to ruin your wife's life. You're going to ruin your children's life. You will be a failure at life. You will not succeed at life. Your life will be a great fall. And here's what I know. I've pastored long enough. I've pastored long enough to see this. And here's what I, you know, sometimes I'll have a talk with my wife about it. Sometimes uh, I, I may not. But when I start seeing people who used to be right with God, who used to follow the word of God, who used to take the word of God and say, well, that's what the Bible says. That's what we are. And then they start making decisions. Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but because I'm smarter than the Bible, because I'm smarter than the rock, because I'm smarter than God. I can go ahead and build my house upon the sand. And here's what I do. I'll just mark it. And I'll just ask God. I'll just ask the Lord. Lord, will you reveal it to me? When that person's life falls apart. Because I just, I just want to know that your word is true. Because here's what Christians don't understand. And if there's one thing I, could, I wish I could get into the hearts of Christians. Here's what Christians don't understand. You and I don't play by the same rules that everybody else does. All these stupid Christians are like, well, I know this guy, and he did X, Y, and Z, and he's, got, he's a millionaire, and he's got this, and he's got that. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's going to die and go to hell. Here's a factor you're not, here's what you're not factoring in. You know why that's not going to work for you? Because if you're saved, there's a God that's going to make sure that your life fails, that your life is ruined if you choose to not follow the word of God. I hope at least the kids are listening tonight. I hope at least there's some teenagers listening tonight. I hope at least there's somebody realizing today, when someone said, well, I know that's what the Bible said. I know that's what the pastor said. I know, fool, you're a fool. You're an idiot. You're going to ruin your life. I don't think you should say that. Well, that's what Jesus said. I don't think you should go that route. Well, that's what the Word of God says. Notice 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. As for God, 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. As for God, His way is perfect. Notice, the words of the Lord is tried. It's tested. It's sure. It's faithful. He's a buckler to all them that trust in him. See, the Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You either follow it or you don't. But here's all I'm, t- here's all I'm telling you. You can make whatever decision you want. It doesn't really make a difference to me. Because, you know, I'm just going to do what the Bible says. And here's the other thing. I, I pastored long enough to see people come and see people go. And I pastored long enough, praise the Lord, to see people come and see people go and see people come back. And they come back broken. And they come back saying, I wish I wouldn't have wasted those years. I've seen it long enough to see the people who say, well, I think I got it figured out, and just no one else is as smart as I am. You know, because we missed it. You're the genius of the world that got it all figured out. You know, and I've seen those people go to prison. And I've seen those people get divorced. And I've seen those people have children that grow up to hate them. But you got to figure it out. No, you're not the fool. You're not the fool that can lay the foundation of your life upon the sand, and and it's going to work out for you. I'm sure. Well, we'll see. I'll see you in six years, or 10 years, or 20 years, however many years it takes. See, the worst thing that could happen to some of you, listen to me very carefully. Some of you are mad at me right now. I don't, I don't think you should be talking like the, the best thing that could ever happen to you is for you to get everything you want. I mean, sometimes that's a prayer. I, I pray, God, would you give so-and-so everything they want because it will ruin their lives, because it will destroy them. Because often what we want gets in the way of what we need. And sometimes I say, Lord, just give, give them what they want. I mean, their heart has left. Their heart is following other gods. Give them everything they want. Give them every desire of their heart and then destroy them with it. 
The children of Israel, they wanted, they, they, wanted that, they wanted that flesh to eat in the desert. And God gave it to them until they were throwing it up. And God gave it to them until it was making them sick. And all of a sudden, that manna sure sounded good, which is another picture of the word of God. Go figure. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. There's a connection between the rock and God. There's a connection between the rock and Christ. But there's also a connection between the word of God, the word of God and the rock. And there's also a connection between the word of God and Christ. Notice John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1. Look at verse 14. John 1, 14. Notice what it says. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, there's a connection between the word and Christ. And according to 1 Corinthians 10, 4, we saw that the rock was Christ. We saw that the word is the rock. And now we see that the word is Christ. And by the way, there's also, the Bible also tells us that the word is God. Go back, you're there in 1 John 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? God. See how it's all connected? The Lord equals the rock. The Lord equals God. God equals the rock. Christ equals the rock. God, Christ equals God. The word equals the rock. The word equals God. The word equals Christ. It's all the same thing. So we get a lesson here. We get a lesson about the word of God. And by the way, let me say this before we go to our, our next lesson. And keep your place there in John. We're going to come right back to it. Uh, go back to 2 Samuel 22. But let me say this. If Jesus is the word, and it's not like that's his name, okay? I mean, that is his name. But when it says that the word was made flesh, it's talking about these words right here. It's talking about the words that you've got to lay your life on as a foundation upon the rock from which your life will live. And if, if, if Jesus is the word, right? Let's go back to our math. Jesus equals these words, right? And don't we need a sinless Jesus? Don't we need a perfect Jesus? Don't we need Jesus to be without error, without sin, in order to be able to save us of our sins? Then look, if Jesus equals the word, then don't we need a perfect word? Then don't we need a... I mean, the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we need a perfect word if Jesus is the word. We need a King James Bible. We need a Bible that's perfect. And if it's not the King James, then that's fine. I don't, have, I don't have a dog in this fight. It's not like I've got stock in the King James Bible, right? You know, if it's not the King James Bible, that's fine. But here's the problem with people who want to tell you it's not the King James Bible. I'm like, okay, well, tell me where it is so I can read it. Well, I don't know. They just want to attack it, but they don't want to give you any answers for it. If we need, if we need a perfect Jesus, we need a perfect word. Let me give you the... Third lesson, go back to 2 Samuel 22. So we saw, number one, a lesson on the deity of Christ. Jesus is God. We saw, number two, a lesson on the word of God. Jesus is the word. Number three, I want you to notice a lesson on the trinity, or the trinity of God, if you'd like to make it match. Notice 2 Samuel 22, look at verse 3. 2 Samuel 22, verse 3. The God, notice what he says, the God of my rock. Do you see that? Now, we just, we just got done seeing that he said, who is the Lord save our God, right? He said that the Lord is God and that, the, that God is the rock. So here's the question I have for you. If the rock is God, and we're not talking about wrestlers, okay? That's why wrestlers shouldn't be careful about what names they choose. They're blasphemous. 
if the, if the rock is God, then how does that rock have a God? Right? Look, look at verse 3. The God of my rock. Well, you just found a contradiction in Scripture. Okay. Look at verse 47. 2 Samuel 22, look at verse 47. 2 Samuel 22, verse 47. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted, notice, be the God of the rock of my salvation. Now, if the rock is God, how does God have a God? How is there the God of the rock of my salvation? How is there the God of my rock? You say, well, what's the answer to that question? The answer to the question is what we call the Trinity. Let's look at it together. 1 John chapter 1. Did you keep your place there? 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. You say, you're preaching on the deity of Christ. You're preaching on the, the, the word of God being Christ. You're preaching on the Trinity. Aren't these basic things? These are basic things that we need to know. Amen. These are basic things we need to understand from the word of God. These are basic things that people need to believe and understand so that they're not deceived and fooled. John chapter 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Now, if the word is with God, are they the same person? Yes or no? No. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just, that's you know, something you're like, I, I don't know, is this a math question? You know, X. <laughs> it's like, no. If, if, if the word was with God, if the word was with God, then he's not God. Okay, if I'm with Brother Sucky, I'm not Brother Sucky. Praise God. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But like, you know, I'm just joking. But the, the word was with God, but then notice this, and the word was God. Now, if the word was God, are they the same person, yes or no? Yes. And people, well, there's a contradiction. Do you really think John contradicted himself, like, in the next statement? I mean, he's obviously saying this for a reason. He understands what he just got done saying. There's the, the word was with God, the word was God. How is the word, who is Jesus, who is Christ, who is the rock, who is God, how is the word, who is God, with God. How is the rock, who is God, have a God? How does all that work? It's the Trinity. It's the Trinity. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 7. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. If you start at the end of the New Testament and head backwards, you got the book of Revelation. Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 7. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> 1 John 5, 7. You're getting more doctrine for free here than most Bible colleges give. Amen. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. There's a test and tuition and all of that at the end. 1 John 5. I'm just kidding. Just tuition, no test. 1 John 5, look at verse 7. Notice what it says. For there are three. You see that? For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Who's that? It's Jesus, right? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. of the only begotten of the Father. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And notice, here's the Trinity. These three are one. Say, explain that. Let me explain it to you. These three are one. That's the best I can do. <laughs> You'll say, like, well, you, you got to be explained. I have three people. How are three individuals? One person. I don't know. We just take it by faith. Amen. I can't explain it to you. 
I can talk to you about the egg and the shell and the white and the yellow, and I can, talk, I can talk to you about, you know, water being mist and ice and liquid or whatever. But here's the thing. Uh, those are good illustrations. I don't think those are bad illustrations, but those, those illustrations don't, uh, don't give it justice because here's the thing. People say, well, you know, water takes three different forms, and it can be like a mist or, or uh, it, it can be a liquid, and it can be, and it can be ice, and that pictures Jesus and, and the deity of Christ and, and the Trinity. And there may be a picture there. I'm not saying there isn't, but here's where it doesn't, it doesn't add up is that what the Bible, in order for that to add up, that water would have to be mist and liquid and ice all at the same time. Do you understand that? that? That's the Trinity. And I, I'm not against the illustration. I think it's fine to try to help us understand. But here's the point that, that we're trying to make, is that you have the Father, God the Father, God the Son, or God the Word, God the Holy Ghost. There are three, whatever you want to call them, individuals, persons, whatever. There are three of them, and at the same time, they are the same. They are one. God, Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. That's why he made himself equal with God. Because he was God. Because he is the Father. Because he is the Holy Spirit. And this isn't the only places you can find the, the Trinity in Scripture, but this is probably the clearest one in all of the Bible. Go back to 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. So we saw a lesson on the deity of Christ. We saw a lesson on the word of God. We saw a lesson on the Trinity. 2 Samuel 22, look at verse 2. 2 Samuel 22, verse 2. 2 Samuel 22, 2, notice what it says. And he said, the Lord is. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, if you don't have an issue with that, I'd like you to circle this word. My rock. He's not just the rock, although he is the rock. He's not just a rock, although the Bible refers to him as a rock. But the Lord is my rock. Notice, and my. Would you circle this word, my fortress? And would you circle this word, my deliver? Notice verse 3. The God of, would you circle this word, my rock? In him will I trust. He is, circle this word, my shield. The horn of, circle this word, my salvation. Circle this word, my high tower. And circle this word, my refuge. Circle this word, my savior. Thou savest. Circle this word, me from violence. You think he's trying to make a point here? So what's the point that he's trying to make? Here's the point that he's trying to make. When you study God, when you study God, we study the big picture of God. He's the God of the universe. And, 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 and I don't have time. You know, I've already been preaching for 41 minutes. That's why we have to cut this into two sermons. Because we're going to look, not next week, but the week after that, we're going to look at the rest of this chapter and the end times aspect of it. And we're going to see the, 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 the power and the glory of God. I mean, the, the passage, we read it before the sermon tonight, where he shakes the heavens and he shakes the earth and he comes down riding, the Bible tells us here, on a, on a cherub. And, 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 and he comes in mighty and strength and power. I mean, there's fire coming out of his nostrils and fire coming out of his mouth. We get this great, big, vengeful picture of God. But before we get into all that, we're told this, he's my God. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. And he saves me 
some violence. It's personal. It's personal with God. And that's good or bad. In fact, we'll see it in this chapter. I don't have time to explain it. But that's good or bad. God is interested in you. And when you are doing good, that's a good thing. And when you're not doing good, that's not a good thing. God is interested in you. And when you're doing right, that's a great thing. And when you're not doing right, that's not a good thing. That's why I tell you, we as Christians don't play by the same rules. But the, you say, well, well, they got away with it, and they got to do it, and they got to, well, I have a coworker, and he committed adultery, and he was able, you know, he had his other Facebook account, and he had it all figured out, and he told his wife that he's traveling, and he did this, or she did that. You know, this person stole from the boss, and they got it all taken care of, and they were able to do this, and they had this other account. I, I, I know this other guy, or I know this other guy, but here's the thing. Do they have a God that's interested in them? Because you and I don't play by the same rules. Because I have a God, and you have a God that is personally interested in you. You better make sure you're listening to his words. You better make sure you're putting him as your foundation. You better make sure you're actively following what he says. Because he's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My rock, my shield, my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. And those are all great things when we're doing right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be able to read from this passage. Lord, I know we just got to six verses tonight, six verses from this great chapter. But Lord, I pray you'd help us as we seek to lay down doctrine, as we seek to learn and understand doctrine. Lord, I pray that we would have some children in this church. Lord, I pray for my children in this church that they would learn doctrine. They would learn doctrine. They would know what the Bible says. That they would not be fooled by this world. Lord, help us to realize that there is a great, mighty, powerful God. And he is personally interested in me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study these concepts, understand these things from your word. In your precious name I pray, amen.